Morning. Oh, I'm looking forward to this. <laughs> right, so we're continuing with our series, Jesus on the Boat. But he's not in the boat today because he's walking on the water. So let's read all about it. So we're going to look at Matthew chapter 14, verses 22 to 36. So we're going to read those together first, and then we're going to look at three points which we can really take encouragement from today, from this passage. Okay, so in Matthew chapter 14, it says, Immediately, Jesus made the disciples get into the boat and go on ahead of him to the other side while he dismissed the crowd. After he had dismissed them, he went up on a mountainside by himself to pray. When evening came, he was there alone. But the boat was already a considerable distance from the land, buffeted by the waves because the wind was against it. During the fourth watch of the night, Jesus went out to them, walking on the lake. When his disciples saw him walking on the lake, they were terrified. It's a ghost, they said, and they cried out in fear. But Jesus immediately said to them, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid. Lord, if it's you, Peter replied, tell me to come on the water. Come, he said. Come on then, Peter, out of the boat, come on. Then Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water and came towards Jesus. But when he saw the wind, he was afraid and beginning to sink, cried out, Lord, save me. <laughs> Immediately, Jesus reached out his hand and caught him. You of little faith, he said, why did you doubt? And when they climbed into the boat, the wind died down. Then those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, truly, you are the Son of God. Now, I really love this story. I love Peter's enthusiasm for adventure and thrills and just wanting to do the impossible and uh, I love that he just jumps into this opportunity of being too able to defy nature, just like Jesus was doing. But I also know that we can learn from some of these actions that Peter took. And here we see Peter's faith and his floundering faith, as we can all be a little bit like Peter at times. And this passage comes off the back of Jesus just having fed the multitudes, with those little fish and those little loaves, he fed thousands and thousands of people. And so this is just off the back of that. And it's almost like as if that miracle wasn't quite enough for his disciples to really kind of grasp who he was. It, to me, is a little bit like, well, let's just teach them another lesson <laughs> about who I am. And so sometimes I wonder if Jesus is kind of like wanting to shock the disciples and teach the disciples again and again so they finally kind of get who he really is. <clears throat> and I, I really wonder what was going through Peter's mind, um, uh, through Jesus' mind. I wonder if he kind of like knew that there was going to be a storm whipping up on the lake and maybe they just needed this other lesson from him. And so, as Matthew said this morning, we are about to see the perspective of the disciples change about who Jesus really was. And so, beyond the miraculous nature of this, Jesus, like, defying all of the laws of nature, like, literally walking on the water, not on a sandbank, as some sort of teachers try to kind of explain it away, um, but actually on top of the water, we can really learn profound lessons about faith, doubt, and the unwavering presence of Jesus in our lives. 
Now, this week, I was writing my talk in the front room where we don't really spend a lot of time because our daughter, Naomi, had some friends over. So where I would normally sit by the window on a table in the sitting room, I was kind of absconded to the other room because her friends were over because they were all having a little get-together before they all go back to university, which they've all gone now. <laughs> anyway, so I was sat in this front room, and in my front room, in our front room, there's, like, cabinets of photos and trinkets and little memories and little ornaments and things that are family heirlooms that have been passed down and, you know, all this kind of stuff that I don't really pay a lot of attention to most of the time because we don't really live in that room. And so as I was writing my talk and praying, I just had some music on in the background, I was really grabbed by this one photo that was from my family sitting on the shelf, and I'll speak about it in a minute. But as we're talking about being reminded of the unwavering presence of Jesus in our lives, just like he was here with Peter and the disciples in the boat, it reminded me that even though I wasn't brought up in like a religious background or had... Um, you know, much of a sort of Christian upbringing, I have really seen God weave through the generations in my family his presence, his will, and his calling. And I looked around the room, and here is a photo of my grandfather, my mother's father, who served in World War II in the Navy. And this, are, this is like paper cuttings he had taken and put in a little album. So there he is in his uniform. And one day, they were out at sea off the coast of Gibraltar, and a, uh, an enemy submarine hit torpedoed the ship. And the ship sank along with many of the crew and his comrades. Yet my grandfather was one of the few survivors. And I often think about this and think, well, if he hadn't survived, my mum wouldn't have been born. My sister and I wouldn't have been born. Our children, my sister's children wouldn't have been born. And our granddaughter, who is, you know, due almost in, in, imminently. And it, I sometimes think about these things. And then I, I also think about, well, what about the families who didn't make it? What about them? And then at that point, I have to give all of these thoughts over to God. Because things like that really blow my mind. And all of the questions, the unanswered questions, I just have to, like, be in faith and trust God that on this side of heaven, sometimes there are things we may never understand. But the one thing I know is that in my family, God has obviously brought us into being for a time and a purpose such as this. And we all have similar stories, I'm sure, like that. And um, then I <laughs> saw another thing in the front room, and that was um, a little trinket that had been given to me. And I was reminded of this verse in James where it talks about confessing your faults one to another and praying for one another. But this part really jumped out at me. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man or woman, this is the King James Version, which I really like this version of this, availeth much. So those praying grandmothers, those uncles, those people in our families that have perhaps prayed hundreds of years before for their family, we can sometimes feel and think and know that we are sort of the result of those answered prayers, that God's presence is always with us and he is faithful and he answers and he doesn't forget the prayers of a fervent man or a fervent woman. So I want us to be encouraged on that, that God doesn't forget us and he doesn't forget about our prayers. And then I saw a candle of an elephant, a beautiful ornate candle, which I never liked because it's so pretty. And I was reminded of a prophetic word I had been given about 22 years ago by Randall Cutter, who was with us recently. 
And as he was praying for me up in our Penan building, he looked at me and he said, elephants never forget. <laughs> Which you think, oh, that's a bit of a random one. But what he was alluding to, I believe, was that elephants never forget a face. And I've done a little bit of study on this. And basically, elephants are famous for their long-spanning memories, as they have very large brains and a very large temporal lobe, which is responsible for memory. So it's more developed in elephants, which results in more like powerful abilities to download important data of where to get food, where to get water, who is friend, who is foe, and so they never forget a face. And so when I look at an elephant, I'm always reminded about God's faithfulness and his presence with us because he never forgets. And so the three points I'd like to look at today from these verses are number one, faith. Here we see the disciples caught up in a storm out in the middle of the lake. I bet faith was floundering by now. And in all of our lives, we too may get caught up and face storms, trials, challenges, and many moments of uncertainty. One teacher said, most people at some point in their lives, they are either entering into a storm, coming through a storm, or they're in a storm right now, right in the middle of it. And so, <clears throat> they, here they must have been feeling helpless, afraid, uncertain, being battered by the waves and the whirling winds. And it is in these moments that we can remember Jesus' response. Suddenly, in the midst of the storm, they saw Jesus walking on the water his presence, a powerful reminder that even in our most turbulent times, he is with us, isn't he? Jesus' words, take courage, it is I, don't be afraid, echo through time, through the ages to us right here today. That in our struggles, we can take comfort knowing that he is near, offering us his strength and peace. And we see Peter's faith when he walks out to Jesus, don't we? Stepping out of the boat, defying the laws of nature. And this really helps us to remember that when we fix our eyes on Jesus and step out in faith, we can do the seemingly impossible. There's a couple of verses I'd like to share. Colossians 3.2 says, Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. In Isaiah, it talks, you keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you because he trusts in you. In Hebrews, he says, looking to Jesus, the founder and the perfecter of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross for each and every one of us, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. And in another version, it says, let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. And that Greek word here is aphoreo, which means to fix. You know, like when you fix something with superglue or you attach a picture to a wall, not with those cheap tacks, <laughs> but with a, you know, a proper drilled-in sort of nail that actually fixes something to the wall. It's permanent. It's going to be there. And so it says to turn the eyes away from other things and fix them on something else. And so in this case, it's fixing our eyes on Jesus with our eyes, with our gaze, and with our thoughts on him. It's like intentional, and it's a continual focus. 
not like Peter, who got distracted by the waves and the wind. Oh, I'm walking on water. This is amazing. Oh, no, look at the wind, look at the waves. And then he goes into overthinking, spiraling, spiraling, and then he begins to sink. So let's not focus or become distracted by the waves that can surround us, but fix our gaze and our eyes and our lives on Jesus. I'm looking straight at you. I'm walking towards you through this season. I'm exercising faith during this stormy time. I trust in you. I believe you are with me. You give me your peace. You are with me all of the time. You will never leave me nor forsake me. And so let's fix and continue to fix and hang our lives on Jesus when we go through a storm. And number two, I'd like to bring out doubt. Like Peter, we can doubt. He took his eyes off Jesus and doubt crept in. And we can all experience doubt at different times in our lives. Doubt and fear sometimes go hand in hand and they can really easily like overshadow our lives and our faith. But the good news is we, like Peter, can cry out to Jesus, save me, (laughs) at any time. And Jesus immediately reached out his hand and caught him. And the interesting thing is, this word immediately appears three times in this text. So it's not like Jesus, oh, you know, just leave them, you know, just leave them sink. (laughs) He immediately came to Peter's rescue. Have you ever felt like that? Like, oh, I'm going under. Have you ever had like a swimming lesson and any sort of unconfident swimmers here where as a child, you maybe remember having a swimming lesson and the instructor says, right, out of your depth now. Let's work on those lungs, tread water. Let's see if you can, you know, swim. And uh, you just start all your kind of energy goes and you, you can't paddle anymore and you start going under the waves and then all the water starts going in your mouth and down the back of your throat and then you start panicking, you're going under and it's a horrible feeling and then the lifeguard comes and he kind of extends that rod or whatever it is they use and they drag you to the side of the pool and then you get to the side of the pool and you, oh, what a relief, I'm not going under. And sometimes life can feel like that, can't it? Like we're, we're going under But Jesus, he reached out his hand immediately and caught Peter. Jesus didn't condemn Peter for his doubt, but he extended his saving grace. And that is the message of the gospel, isn't it? That Jesus immediately comes to save us when we come to that place of realization that, yes, I need saving. (laughs) I'm not perfect. I've messed up. I can't do this life on my own. I need a savior. I need someone to help me, forgive me, give me purpose, and to have the hope of heaven and eternity because there is far more than what we are just experiencing on this earth. Jesus immediately forgives us. He immediately comes into our lives and he immediately guides us. He doesn't go, right, okay? Well, when you sort that issue out in your life, when you improve at that area of your life, when you go and get better at that, when you become a better person, when you give up that, when you stop doing that, then I'll think about saving you. He says, come as you are, 
warts and all. <laughs> you know, our stuff is not an issue to Jesus because that's the power of the cross. That is why he came, to die for us, to take all of those things that we have done on himself so that we can have a relationship and an opportunity to become a friend with God, a family member of God, when we come to that place of saying, yep, I'm done. Lord, I give you my life. Come into my heart. Forgive me for all those things I've done wrong. Be my leader. Lead me, guide me, and fill me with your presence. I give you my life. Do whatever you want with it, Lord. And when we come to that place, he immediately saves us. And our life is set upon a different course, one of peace, one of purpose, one of forgiveness, and one of hope. It's amazing. And number three, I want to talk about the unwavering presence of Jesus in our lives. What I really love about this story is that even though the disciples couldn't see Jesus, he could see them. So here is Jesus, probably, you know, he's just fed these tens of thousands of people. He's going up to the mountain to have some alone time, to pray and be with his father, and to give the opportunity for the disciples to go and get caught up in a storm so then he can show who he really is again. And then he sees on the lake the boat that the disciples are in trouble, but they can't see him. And I love that, that in our storms, we can feel like that. Well, where are you, Lord? (laughs) Why is nothing changing? Why is this happening now? The one thing I know from personal experience is that as horrible as some things are, we learn more in a storm than at any other time about yourself, about others, about life, about church, about prayer. And it's at these times we dig in more, we lean on him more, we pray more. And to be honest, experience his presence more. And he does extend his saving hand and he pulls us from the depths. Even when the outcomes are sad or not what we thought, his peace and presence is real. And so to conclude today, I want to really encourage us to stay in faith, to fix our eyes on Jesus and to continually live in his presence. And if we're here today and listening online and we've never really experienced that relationship with Jesus. We've often thought about God and church and Christmas and Easter eggs, but we've never actually um, made it a personal thing for us. You know, Jesus loves you. He wants to forgive you for all those things in your life that you've messed up on, because we all have. He wants a relationship with you, and he is here today, willing and ready immediately to save you. And so then he will always be in us and through us. And as Chloe said today, he can save us and he's always close to us and will always be close to us. So why don't we pray and I'll pray to finish. Father God of heaven and earth, I thank you so much for all of these amazing, not just stories, but life encounters that people have had with you in the boat and out of the boat and on the land and up the mountains and by the lake and Lord, I thank you so much that we can have almost become refreshed in who you were and who you are and what you mean to us and the power that is in you to transform our lives, Lord. I thank you so much for Peter. I love that man so much because we can see ourselves in him. And I pray, Lord, for all of us here today who may be in stormy weather 
our faith is floundering, I pray that you would extend your hand and rescue and draw us from the depths, Lord, of whatever circumstances we find ourselves in, but you would bring salvation today. So thank you, Jesus, that you came and died on the cross for each and every one of us. I thank you so much that you shed your blood for us to have forgiveness of all those things we've done wrong and a relationship with you, that we will never be alone and we will always have you close to us. In Jesus' name, amen.